Time to invite the kids to come on up front, have a seat. Come on up, even if you're visiting with us this morning, you're welcome to come on up, bring somebody along with you if you'd like. All right, we are excited. All right, come on up, keep coming, guys. All right, good to see everyone this morning. All right, here, let's listen now. Okay, here we go. So I have a question for you. Is it a good thing for us to follow Jesus? Yeah, yeah that's a good thing, right? So what does it take for us to follow Jesus? Love, Love could be helpful, yeah. You know what? It takes faith. It takes faith. It takes us believing that Jesus is the Son of God takes us trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection for our salvation. So who can have faith in Jesus? Can you guys as kids have faith in Jesus? Yeah. Or maybe it's only for adults. Maybe only adults can follow Jesus. No, kids can too. You don't have to wait till you're an adult to follow Jesus? No. Can parents follow Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, how about grandparents? Yeah, yeah they can follow Jesus too. Yeah, people of all ages can follow Jesus, right? How about uh, money? Do you have to have a certain amount of money before you can follow Jesus? No. Do you have to have like $100 before you can follow Jesus? No, not even a million. No, no. People without a lot of money can follow Jesus, and people with a lot of money can follow Jesus, right? Yeah, $100 million. If you had $100 million, you have to still follow Jesus, right? So how about jobs? What type of job do you have to have in order to follow Jesus? Maybe only pastors can follow Jesus? No. No? Can you be a farmer and still follow Jesus? Yeah. Or a waitress? Yeah. yeah. Can airplane pilots follow Jesus? Yeah. yeah. People of any job can follow Jesus, right? So here's the thing I want you to remember. You can have faith to follow Jesus anytime and anywhere, no matter what. You can have faith to follow Jesus. And as we do that, As we follow Jesus, the Bible tells us that we are to live with contentment. Contentment means that you're happy and satisfied with your life and the way it is. Right? That's contentment. It means you have your mind is at ease. You're not stressing out about everything. Contentment. You're not trying to get something that you don't have that God hasn't given to you. That's living with contentment. So we know that God has saved us from our sin. And he's given us eternal life. And that's why we can be content whatever the other, other circumstances of life are. Because we know that we are forgiven of our sin. We have everlasting life with God. And so when we have faith to trust God, we can follow Jesus with contentment. Knowing that he's in control of all things and that we can trust him in all things. So what do you think? Can you be kids who follow Jesus in all areas of life with contentment? Yeah, you can do that, right? You can have faith to follow Jesus. All right? Thanks for coming up. You can go back and have a seat. All right. If you would grab a Bible and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. There we go. Uh, If you're using one of the Bibles under the chairs, it's page 955. So we are preaching through the the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, We kind of restarted two weeks ago. After a, a time preaching through some other things, we restarted and we're in chapter 7. <clears throat> I should turn there too. 
So in chapter 7 here, uh, the Apostle Paul has been addressing some topics that uh, the Corinthians had written to him about. And so he's addressing matters here in chapter 7 of marriage and singleness and sexuality and those kind of things. Chapter 7 here is set up similar to like a sandwich. Uh, So verses 1 through 16 give some instructions regarding marriage and singleness. Verses 25 through the end then give some instructions to the betrothed. We'll get into that next week. And in the middle here in our verses for today, 17 through 24, uh, the message is uh, simply this. There we go. Put it up on the PowerPoint. There you are. I'm catching up. The message is simply this. Be Be content with where God has you and live for God's glory. That's it. Pretty simple, right? Be content with where God has you and live for God's glory. Now, if you've been around church for a while, that message is nothing new to you. Uh, You've probably heard it before. So let me give you something to think about here as we approach this. Uh, As we think about preaching, the task of those who preach, here at Pine Grove, mainly Pastor Jeremy, as well as myself, our task is not mainly to give you new information that you haven't heard before. Our job is not to fill you up with knowledge and facts. So please, I encourage you, don't come to church just waiting to hear something new that you haven't heard before that you can file in your trivia bank, right? Our job is to preach God's word, anticipating that God will bear fruit in your lives. And so this should be something that you are stirred up in your faith at the preaching of God's word. We know that from uh, Hebrews chapter 4, that God's word is living, it's active. It's living and active in your life. And so it should do something to you. It should have an effect on you. The preaching of God's word is to arouse within you a desire to know God and walk faithfully with him. And so as you come to church, as you hear messages like you might hear this morning, things that you've heard before, just receive it from God that this is what he has for you. Consider how it applies to you in your life, in your circumstances right now. Um, and that's your job in receiving it, the preaching of God's word. Don't just look for new information. That's also part of the reason why we give you points of application, practical ways that, the, the, uh, that God's word can be implemented into your life, things that uh, can, you can confess sin over, truths to believe, actions to take and move and adjust in your life, points of application. And so, of course, in all this, these are not things that we can do sufficiently on our own. I need God's help in preaching. You need God's help in receiving. And so let's pray now and ask for his help. Father, we do need your help here. Uh, God, we are not sufficient to preach. We are not sufficient to receive apart from Christ. And so may Christ, by his Spirit, Uh, preach and teach and help us to receive and apply. And so, God, we do ask that even through the preaching of your word this morning that you would bear fruit out into our lives to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 17. We'll read through these verses here. Paul writes this. 
Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. So we're going to work our way through this passage, making some observations with each verse. And so our first observation here is to live with contentment. Live with contentment. As we start here in verse 17, we see a general instruction that will be repeated three times throughout this passage. So in verse 17, lead the life that the Lord has assigned. Verse 20, each one should remain in the condition which he is called. And verse 24, whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. In other words, you are to continue in the state and condition you were in when you became a Christian. That's what we saw in previous weeks, right? If you're single, stay single. If you're married, stay married. And you are to do these things with contentment, with peace of mind. And so as we think about these Corinthians, they have uh, heard the gospel, they've responded in faith, they've become followers of Christ, but now there seems to be some level of confusion over what to do now. They knew in their faith, they've had this great gospel transformation in their lives, they're relatively new in their faith, but now they're kind of unsure of themselves. And so they seem to be looking for something drastic that they're supposed to do, some action they're supposed to take, right? As a Christian, what do I do about being single? Do I have to get married? You know, as a Christian, what do I do about being married? Do I need to get divorced, right? Do I need to separate? Do I have to convert to Judaism to follow, in order to follow Christ? What if I'm in the wrong economic class? Will God still accept me? Do I need a different job? Do I need to live in a different city? Right? There seems to be this anxiousness in Corinth over how to live for Christ. So Paul here tells them to simply lead the life you've been given. Live as you've been living. You don't need a big dramatic change. These things of everyday life, of where you live, and what job you have, whether you're single or married, these are not hindrances to you in a relationship with Christ. And so don't strive after other changes. Just live contentedly in the circumstances in which you were called, in the circumstances in which you became a follower of Christ. Now as we look at this verse, take a look. Lead the life that you've been assigned. Who has done the assigning? 
The Lord has, right? Who has done the calling? God has, right? And so we see here that God is in sovereign control, even of all these details of life. In Acts 17, we see Paul preaching, and he says this in verse 26. He said, God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So God determines when people live and where they live. This means that God's sovereign hand is over your life. He has placed you right where he wants you to be, and he's orchestrated the circumstances of your life. He's placed you in Rhinelander right now in the year 2020 for his purposes and for his glory. And so you live here now in the circumstances that God has for you. So you're to live out your Christianity wherever God has you, and you're to do it now. Don't wait until some other time later. I'll, I'll follow Jesus later. Right? Young people, this applies for you as well. Don't wait until after high school to, to live for Jesus. Don't wait until you're married to follow Jesus. Don't wait until you have kids. Don't wait until you have an established job and a steady income. There will always be something else that you could wait for. So you are to live now where God has you for his glory. Understand that he placed you here and he's given you this position. So Paul here is applying this directly to what he's just talked about, right? He just talked about marriage and divorce and singleness. And so this living contently applies in those circumstances, but it applies to all of life and even the hard, difficult circumstances of life. Living contentedly for Christ applies to difficult marriages. It applies to dealing with wayward kids. It applies to situations of family dysfunction. It applies to a troublesome work environment. Live with contentment. Don't strive for a change of circumstances, believing that it will somehow improve your positioning with God. Jesus has taken care of your righteousness before God. That's no longer an issue. God has given you your lot, your position in life. He's placed you and positioned you where he wants you to be. And so your response is simply to lead a life of faith, trusting him, embrace the circumstances, and live contentedly within those. So when you strive and toil and work after more than what God has assigned to you, it's really just a lack of faith, right? You don't trust God. You don't believe that what he's doing is right. You just want more than what he's given you. So let me be honest with you in this. You might not get more until you're faithful with what's in front of you, right? You might not have a wonderful marriage until you become faithful at loving your wife in small ways. You might not have a wonderful marriage until you become faithful at respecting your husband in the little things. 
You might not find that fulfilling job until you work diligently at the one that you currently have. You might not lead great Bible studies at church until you're faithful at discipling the foster kid next door. So live faithfully with contentment at what God has given. Trust him with what is to come next in your life, with the next steps ahead. So Paul says here at the end of the verse, this is my rule in all the churches. So again, this is not something just for the Corinthians. It's applicable to all. Live contentedly. Next thing we'll see is no major change. Verse 18, continuing this idea. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. So here Paul is applying now this idea of contentedness uh, in regards to marital status. He's taking and applying it to other areas of life now as well. And so in the Old Testament, circumcision was a sign given to God's people through Abraham. It was an outward physical sign uh, as a mark of God's covenant people. And so now in the New Testament, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Corinthians are probably wondering about this, right? What happens with this sign, this mark of circumcision, right? Do Gentile believers need to be circumcised? Well, that was certainly pushed by lots during this time. The Jews need to try to somehow undo that mark of Judaism that they are, as they, because they are now following Jesus. Do they need to take that away? And Paul just tells them, you don't need a major change here. Right? When Jews leave Judaism, do the faith in Christ, they should not attempt to undo that mark of Judaism. Gentiles don't need that sign of Judaism to become God's people and to follow Christ and faith. So don't worry about those things. It's not important anymore. And so we have here the idea of just kind of stay in put. Stay where you are. Just continue on. Don't go anywhere. Don't make a big move. Your faith in Christ is what matters, and it doesn't necessitate a major change in circumstances or relationships. Just remain, stay as you are. There's no big change needed in the plain, earthly circumstances of life. Now, when I say earthly circumstances of life, I'm just referring to the normal, everyday things of life which are neither good or evil in and of themselves, right? Things that have no moral consequence, right? I'm not discounting obedience to God's word, right? When we come to faith in Christ, we do need a change, right? Our sin needs to be dealt with. It needs to be repented of, confessed, turned from, and follow, to follow after Christ. But in other areas of where you live, who you're in relationship with, those things can remain, stay the same, right? No big change needed. Now, sometimes people can get really uptight spiritually, right? They can think, um, you know, if only this thing were different, then I could be a really great Christian. Or only, if only that were different, If I only had a different job, if I only had a different family, if only this were different, that were different, right? If only I could do something big for God, then I'd feel better about myself. I'd feel better about my faith, 
But when you get uptight, mentally stressed over these things, it only makes matters worse, right? You know that as you've done that before. It just makes it worse. You just might need to take those things and surrender them up to God. Give up that fight. Lay aside that mental anguish of looking for more, looking for big. And simply accept the circumstances that God has placed you in and receive his blessings as you live faithfully for him. So after you've come to faith in Christ, no big positional change needed in just the everyday normal life circumstances. Next thing we'll look at, external appearance versus internal change. Verse 19, continuing this idea of circumcision, Paul says, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. Right? And so here Paul follows up verse 18 by stating that this outward sign of circumcision now makes no difference. Right? Why doesn't it make a difference? Because Jesus has come. And conformity to Christ is what now matters. So don't make a big deal out of it. It's a little thing now. Don't foolishly desire one or the other. There's no advantage either way. It's no longer a sign of God's covenant people. So now, faith in the gospel is the mark of a true Christian. Faith in the gospel is the mark of God's people. The outward symbolism and outward appearance are of greater or less importance than the inward devotion to Christ, which shows itself in obedience. Right? We see that in the second half of the verse, keeping the commandments of God. That's what now counts. A godly life now counts. A life of holiness and purity matters. Right? We see the same thing in Galatians chapter 5, and verse 6. It says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working itself through love. So if you want to have a, a mark, if you want to have some sort of sign that you are a Christian, I'd encourage you to get baptized. Right? Baptism is now the outward physical sign of a follower of Christ. Okay. What if I want an ongoing sign, right? If you want something in your life continually, an ongoing sign of your uh, uh, walk with Christ, that you are God's people, it's simply obedience to his word, right? It's obedience to his word. That's your ongoing sign that you are a Christ follower, that you are God's people. So forget what your physical body looks like. Is your life characterized by faithfulness to God? That's what counts, that's what's of most importance. So external appearances without internal holiness are worth nothing. Right? Did you get that? External appearances without internal holiness are worth nothing. Even religious activities. Right? They're worth nothing without internal holiness and devotion to Christ. Right? So again, we're not talking here about being legalistic. We're not talking about earning righteousness before God by what you do. Right? Jesus has done that. We're talking about living in faithful obedience because of what God has done in your life, because of who you are now in Christ. So here's some application things for you to think about. For you personally, 
Are you concerned with outward appearances, but you're unclean on the inside? You come to church with a smile, greeting everybody, but you're just full of sin inside? You have pride or lust or covetousness or selfishness? What are you pursuing? What do you spend your time and your energy on? Do you spend more of your time and energy on things of lesser importance and neglect the things of greater importance? All right, do you focus on outward beauty rather than godly character? Do you focus on your business ventures rather than investment in your marriage and your kids? Do you focus on your kids' activities rather than Christian fellowship at church and other places? Keep the commands of God. Walk in the Spirit. Be conformed in the image of Christ. Live in holiness. This is what counts. Next thing we'll see, maintain your lot. Verse 20. Here we see this idea once again. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Here it is for the second time. Remain as you are. Just continue the normal circumstances of life. For me, this reminds me of the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. Uh, we preached on this uh, two, three years ago, something like that. Kind of the, some of the same idea here. If you recall, we talked a lot about our lot in life that God has given, right? So in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18 to 19 says, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. So your lot in life, your positioning in life is what God has given you and to receive that with contentment is a gift of God. Right? And so there's to be contentment in any station of life in which God has placed you. If you're a mechanic, remain a mechanic. If you're a business exec, remain a business exec. Right? If your family is a mess, remain in your messy family. Right? Don't change position simply because you're now a Christian. You can be a Christian, a follower of Christ in whatever social status or positioning you are in because God has given it to you. He's placed you there. So the point here is that you are able to live faithfully before God according to his word, keeping his commandments in whatever the circumstances of life are that he's given you. So you can't come up with an excuse here, Right? You can't say, well, I have the wrong job, and that's why I can't follow Christ. doesn't work. I have the wrong spouse. I was born into the wrong family. Those are lies from the pit of hell. Don't believe them. Believing the lies is what keeps you from following Christ. It's not your circumstances. It's the lies you believe about your circumstances. So find contentment in the lot of life that God has given you. Jesus Christ is faithful to save you 
and to keep you. And it's not based on the earthly things of life. It's not based on your marital status. It's not based on your economic status. It's not based on your ethnic background. You don't have to work to change your position in the ordinary earthly things of life to be more acceptable to God. Live a life of faith right now where you are. Don't look to somebody else's position. Don't look to somebody else's gifts and abilities. Oh, I wish if only I had that. Don't look to somebody else's finances or their marriage or their education. Don't look to their family. Don't desire or covet what somebody else has or is. If only, if only, if only. No, no, no. Look at where God has you. Find contentment there and just walk in faithful obedience. So once you come to faith in Christ, maintain your lot. Follow God's commandments. Take small steps of obedience day by day, moment by moment. Be faithful and you'll experience spiritual growth over time. So next here, calm your mind. Verse 21, calm your mind. Paul says, you were, were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. So here Paul is addressing another area of concern for the Corinthians, that of slavery, which is part of their culture at the time. And so he again here just says, don't be concerned about that. Don't be concerned about that circumstance. Right? Your economic status, whether you're slave or free, rich or poor, isn't something that prevents you from following Christ. Paul wants to calm their minds. He wants to kind of clear their consciences. Don't get stressed out about that stuff. It's not important. Right? He wants to bring about contentment in their lives. Don't be concerned with the circumstances of life that are less important than following Christ. And so... As we think about contentment here, we need to think about where does contentment come from? Where does it come from? If I just tell you you're in a difficult circumstance and I just tell you, don't be concerned, just be content. Well, that in itself isn't much help, right? It's not much help if you're not in a a position of security, if you're not in a secure position, right? So our security, our secure position comes from Christ, and that's where we can find contentment. Right? So if you know that Jesus is Lord, if you know he's, God has given you this lot, this positioning in life, and if you know that he is trustworthy, then you can find contentment. Right? Because you're living from a secure position. Because God has given it to you. He's blessed you with it. Right? And so we know these things to be true from Scripture. We know that God has placed us where we are. We know that we are secure in Christ. And so that's the means of us being able to find contentment, contentment with where we are and what, what we've been given. Because we trust God. We trust God. He has our best in mind. Nothing can disrupt that. So don't be concerned about your position of slavery. Be concerned about things that matter more than that position. Right? Another way to see this is that social status does not reveal spiritual status right? Social status, rich or poor, that's not an indication of your spiritual status, of your walk with Christ, right? So these things speak to our identity. We'll get to that in a little bit, who we are in Christ. So your outward condition does not determine 
your acceptance from God. Right? Why? Because Jesus redeems slaves and he redeems free men. He redeems businessmen. He redeems high school dropouts. He redeems stay-at-home moms. He redeems kids from broken homes and on and on and on. No matter what your earthly position, Paul says, remain. Just stay there. Have a calmness of mind. Find contentment there. I do want to clarify. When I say to maintain your lot, let God determine your lot in life, it doesn't mean that you are to be idle. Right? It doesn't mean you're not to do anything. It doesn't mean you can't pursue other things in life. It doesn't mean that there's no growth or advancement in your life. That would be contrary to other things that we see in Scripture. We're told to work. We're told to advance God's kingdom. We're told to grow in sanctification and do the work of sanctification. Right? So look at the second half of verse 21. Paul says, don't be concerned about your slavery, but if you can, gain your freedom. Right? If you can, go ahead. Right? Look over to verse 28. Uh, Verse 27, the end. Do not seek a wife, but if you do marry, you have not sinned. Right? So the idea is it's not sinful here to change positions as long as it's done with the right motivations. You can work, you can advance, but it's not a grasping after more than what God has given you. All right? So there's a moving towards something out of a state of uh, faith and contentment, not out of discontentment. And so wherever we are, we work to bring glory to God with contentedness. Have a calm mind, right? Because you're trusting God. I'm reminding, reminded of the hymn, Whatever My Lot, right? Whatever My Lot, Thou hast taught me to say, It's well. Well, with my soul, right? That's a song expressing a peaceful contentment with the circumstances that God has placed us in. Next, we see a, a new identity. A new identity. Look at verse 22. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a free man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. So the work of Christ in your life changes your identity. It changes who you are, and therefore it changes your priorities. It changes how you now view life, right? So the Lord has freed you now in faith from the penalty of sin. He's freed you from Satan and the power of his kingdom, and he's bound you to himself as slaves of righteousness, And so your contentment and obedience to God's commands are motivated by your identity, by who you are in Christ, by that position of security that he has given you. So your identity as a child of God should be more important than your identity in anything else. Right? More important than your identity as a slave. More important than your identity as a free person. Right? Because, Paul's saying here, If you are a slave, recognize that you are now free in Christ. You've been redeemed. You are a child of God. This identity now far surpasses the condition of your slavery. 
right? When you weigh out your position as a slave versus your position in God's kingdom, there's no comparison, right? Your spiritual position in Christ renders your earthly position as next to nothing. You're free, free from the bondage of Satan, free from the curse of the law, free from the control of sin in your life. You're now a child of God, a partaker of the divine nature, and a co-heir with Christ. That's true freedom, even if you're a slave here on this earth. But if you're a free person, you need to change your perspective too. You need to recognize that you are now a slave. You are now united with Christ. You are wonderfully bound to him for all eternity. That's a marvelous slavery, being bound to Christ. This is the gospel, right? This is the gospel, freedom from sin, a slave to Christ. Being a slave, your identity is not in your slavery. Your identity is in Christ. Be content in your slavery because you're free in Christ. Right? Being free, your identity is not in your freedom. Your identity is in Christ. Your value doesn't come from your freedom. Your value comes from Christ within you. So let's make some application here again. For you personally, if you've come to faith in Christ, consider your identity is not primarily in your marriage. Your identity is in Christ. If you've come to faith in Christ, your identity is not primarily in being single. Your identity is in Jesus Christ, being found in him. Your identity is not primarily in being divorced. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity is not primarily in being physically or mentally handicapped. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity is not primarily in your job. It's in Jesus Christ. Right? Romans 12.3 says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Why? Because it's all of Christ in you. And at the same time, don't think of yourself more lowly than you ought. Why? Because you have Christ in you. What a great treasure. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you have a new identity. You are a new person. So then what do we do? Verse 23, live out your spiritual position. Verse 23, you were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. You were bought with a price. This is repeated from chapter 6 precious blood of Christ. God has purchased you by the blood of Christ. He has the authority in your life. God writes your story. He directs your life. So there's no need to panic. There's no need for discontentment. God is in control. Your identity in Christ and the spiritual position that you've been given is what you are now to live out no matter the earthly position or circumstances. God will use your ordinary life and your relationships to bring about his purposes. You're to serve Jesus within your earthly position as you live out the spiritual position that he's given you. Whatever your lot, walk in the spirit, out of obedience for God's glory. You're not a slave to men. Look at the second half of the verse. Do not become bondservants of men. How might we become bondservants of men? All right, by giving in to the lies of others and the corruptness of others, 
So how do we not let that happen? How do we not let that play out? Well, knowing your spiritual position, finding security there, you might have to give up a job or they're demanding you to compromise your biblical values. Knowing your spiritual position, you might have to stand for truth in school, therefore not giving in to the lies that are being taught and promoted and pushed upon you. Knowing your spiritual position, you might have to speak out against laws that are contrary to God's word and a whole host of other circumstances. In all circumstances, live out this spiritual position that you've been given. Lastly, verse 24, remain with God. Here this is again for the third time. Verse 24, so brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Remain as you are. Just continue in the normal circumstances of life. You were called to sanctification, to growth in Christ, no matter the circumstances. So if you're married, live God's purposes in your marriage. If you're single, live God's purposes in your singleness. If you're a slave, live God's purposes in your slavery. If you're still living in your parents' home, Live God's purposes under their authority. If you have a medical concern, live God's purposes in your time of sickness. So Paul says remain, but then he adds something here in verse 24. Remain with God. With God. God is your help in all of this. You're to be mindful of his presence knowing he is near to you, right? You're to be seeking him, loving him, obeying him, finding your worth and your value in him, maintaining an eternal godly perspective. Right? So again, where does this contentedness ultimately come from? It comes from faith. It comes from knowing who Christ is, what he's done in your life, knowing where you now stand with God, Faith comes from a solid understanding of your identity in Christ, knowing that you are a child of God, dearly loved by God, bought with the precious blood of Christ, therefore tremendously secure. Nothing can shake you. So live contentedly. Out of this secure position of faith, you can be content with whatever God brings your way. You can trust him. So some final points of application for you. For you personally, where in your Christian walk are you now discontented? Where in your faith walk do you lack the contentment that you need? Where do you just need to be still and know that he is God? What ways do you need to grow in faith and obedience? Whatever your lot in life, live faithfully and with contentment for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father God, again, we thank you for your word, which teaches us and instructs us. Thank you for the work of Christ in our lives, that he has paid for our sin, that there is no more left for us. Thank you that we are redeemed people, with a secure position, 
as our new identity in Christ. Father, we thank you that you are trustworthy. So God, help us to live our lives with contentment, living within the position that you have placed us, trusting you, worshiping you, glorifying you, praising you with our lips all along the way because you are worthy. Praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.